Hey, welcome back to the episode of the Five Tool Podcast. I'm Dustin McComas, joined once again as always by Drew Bishop, and this is episode 145, and it is Valentine's Day, February 14th. Uh, it is a Wednesday, and we are presented by our friends at Hitforth, the high-tech development center that produces pound-for-pound pound the most powerful and complete hitters in the state located in Austin, Texas. Uh, if you're a parent out there and you're trying to think of a Valentine's Day gift that can help your, your baseball player out, highly, highly, highly recommend checking out our friends at Hitforth, H-I-T-F-O-R-T-H.com. And then also on Twitter and Instagram as well. They can do things remotely. They can do uh, swing assessments, trial sessions. Just go check it out and, and see what they're about. Um, over in the south part of Austin, highly, highly recommend those guys. But Drew, it's Valentine's Day. Do you have any special plans? Did you have to make some Valentines for daycare? What what is uh, what what is the, <laughs> the the day of love been over like at the Bishop House? Well, um started okay, so let me back up. For daycare, um, we had to turn in everything on Monday, I guess. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and yeah, so like all the the older kids, so Koi's group, they had to make like special boxes for themselves for mm -hmm. the for their stuff to be put in. And Mary went all out for that. So the the amount of stuff I was uh, so I had to take that. I had to take Koi and Gray's little Valentines for his friends on Monday. Like the amount of like I already carry a lot of stuff in on Mondays, but I had to make a couple trips in in and out uh oh, on wow. monday yeah it was it was a lot because like you got blankets and bottles and stuff like that to on a normal monday but yeah um it was it was a lot uh, i know mary put a lot of work into it i did nothing um and oh i did I, I take that back i did buy the chips mary signed up to bring chips to late this or this afternoon's uh valentine's parties okay um, and i've noticed i've noticed that the top the afternoon times for these parties have started creeping earlier and earlier and there's the expectation that you take them home with you afterwards um so i'm gonna have to figure that part out for later this afternoon but <laughs> um yeah uh, and I got it after we record and then before the party i gotta squeeze in some valentine's shopping uh, myself. Uh -oh. Yeah. Yeah. But see like my, this is the tricky part for me is that Mary has like, I can't order anything for, to come to our house because she has all those alerts set of like when anything from FedEx or postal oh, service uh -huh. mm -hmm. is supposed to come to your house and there's like pictures of it. So she's yep. gonna, like, she's going to have it. Like I, I try to, that's my excuse for waiting. So, hmm. um, but I'll go get some little knickknacks and I can't hide anything anywhere because either one, I'll forget where I put it because if it's a good spot or two, she'll find it. And then it's kind of a moot point. Either she will, or one of the boys will find it and bring it to her. Mm. Um, but this morning, uh, Koi slept until five fifteen or five thirty, So that was, that was a welcome surprise. So we started, and it was funny cause he took her to marry the card, um, then gave it to her and she said, Oh, that's so sweet. I love it. So everything that he opened in his little Valentine's basket, he would say, Oh, that's so sweet. I love it. <laughs> but, oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's where we are over here. 
Yeah, we uh we did Valentine's dinner last night just to avoid the madness of tonight, which which was yeah. good, but yeah. Yeah, we we had to hide Jack's Valentine's that he took to school for his friends because they're Taylor Swift themed and he would have lost oh. his mind if he saw them. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that he doesn't hand them out and they want to take them back from everybody just to have all of them. Yeah. Um, but but we'll see. But yeah, they opened up their little things in the morning and uh, a couple stuffed animals and stuff. My grandparents sent them both $20 each, which. Ugh. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's got quite wow. the. They've got quite the little piggy banks uh, hey, working let, up let me there. Ask, let me ask you this. You're a sushi guy, right? Yes. Okay. So I'm not. Um, Mary commented about six months ago that it's very disappointing that we don't even get to go to sushi places because of my lack of caring for it. Mm-hmm. So the last two holidays, I've gotten sushi-related uh, gift cards for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so we used one and it was kind of worked out cause it turned into being like a Christmas present, but also a Valentine's thing. So, um, killed two birds with one stone, but so we went to Uchi in Dallas on, oh. uh, yeah, a couple of nights ago and <laughs> it was really funny. And thankfully the waiter, I guess it probably dealt with people like me before in the restaurant, but there was a, there was a ribeye option and it was pricey. Um, and I asked him, I said, hey, you know, how, how much, how big is this ribeye? Like, what's the, and he's like, well, it's, you know, it's sliced into six little pieces. And I said, okay, so, but, but like how, what, how big are we talking here? And he said, it's, you know, 2.5 uh, ounces. And I said, like per piece or <laughs> the answer he was, he, that was the only time he kind of seemed frustrated. He was like, uh, no. So yeah, that was that was eye opening. But I did eat I did eat one raw uh, offering from there. So big step was, for me. What was the offering? Um, I couldn't tell you. It was called Mida. Mida. Okay. I don't know, but um, I, it was fine. But I will say, uh, at the nicer sushi establishments that don't provide you with forks, um, that's a problem for me. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was was. Struggling with the chopsticks a little bit. Yeah. So not not a not a sushi. Well, a lot of the at least around here, a lot of the neighborhood spots, it's like a sushi and like Chinese menu or Japanese mm-hmm. menu. So it's a pretty vast menu beyond yeah. just rolls and and stuff like right. that. So right. So what did you end up eating at Uchi? Because I know you didn't settle for two and a two and a half ounces of thinly sliced ribeye. Yeah, I just we we ordered like five or six things and I just kind of tried all of them, which is big for me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially because being a texture eater, like I am, it, it was, it was, an so is it, is it the fish or cause it, it's probably not the rice that bothers you, right? No, I'll eat the rice. <laughs> no, yeah, no. It was, like-, like I like, I, I will say I liked everything that I tried, mm-hmm. um, but I'm, I'm a texture eater, which causes my pickiness. Um, okay. So mixing different foods and textures is usually a no-go for me, but I was determined to let, uh, hopefully allow my wife to enjoy it. So, you know, it was good. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that the things they put together on sushi rolls now are just kind of ridiculous, but also vast at the same time. It kind of amazes me all the things they 
like oh like a fried shrimp or like crawfish or it's 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 all sorts of stuff now but um well yeah well there's there's a, a uchi dining experience with uh with mr picky Experience. um It was an experience. Yes. yeah that place is an experience like it is yeah that's the first place i ever had sake out of a wooden box because like some sake like it tastes better when it like interacts with wood i had no idea Okay. that was even a thing they brought this box out one time i'm like what what is this <laughs> and yeah you just drank it out of the little wooden box there so oh okay. i felt very uh felt like i needed to be on instagram or something after i had one of those um we're gonna get into some actual baseball here some um scrimmages um in my case i actually saw an actual game last week which was a nice break from the scrimmages and then going back to a, a scrimmage on Monday that had no Jersey numbers. Um, so it's back to, back to the frustration there, but uh, Drew and I have been out kind of getting some eyes on some players on some teams. Uh, these won't be like super detailed, lengthy descriptions and things like that. Just kind of quick hitters here and there about some of the guys we saw about, about some of the teams we saw um, obviously this time of the year, especially with scrimmages, well, even just in general, but really with scrimmages, coaches are trying to see different lineups, different players, different situations. Um, they're working on certain things. You know, I was at Georgetown Westlake last night, and Georgetown was clearly working on things like pickoffs and holding runners. And it, 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 was, a very, it was a very, very slow scrimmage. Uh, it was third. It was the after two and a half innings, it had taken an hour. So things were going pretty slow there. But yeah, that's just kind of the nature of scrimmages right now. Like they're trying to figure out their last, you know, little lineup questions as they head into the tournament season, which which will be here before we know it. But uh, we'll share some thoughts um, on the guys and, and on some of the teams we saw. Um, I'll lead us off with with my my actual game that I saw uh, last Friday. I believe that was Friday. Uh, my days are all mixed up already. But went down to Houston to see uh, St. Pius X against Lutheran South Academy. And the big draw there was seeing Kaysen Evans, uh, who was on like a 60-pitch pitch count, going to see him against a Lutheran South lineup, which is which is really good. Uh, was unfortunately missing Jalen Walker because he was playing basketball. So originally that game was supposed to be Saturday. They moved it to, to Friday because of the weather, which was smart because the weather everywhere Saturday was just awful. Awful. So didn't get to see Jalen Walker, but still a loaded lineup with a lot of really talented players. Um, you know, Omar Serna, uh, first at bat, Casey Evans struck him out, three straight sliders. Uh, next at bat, I don't know why, but uh, threw him a right on right changeup and a couple fastballs, and and Serna ended up muscling the 0-2 fastball out into the right center gap for a double. Just a, a really impressive display of strength. Like the ball was kind of in on his hands, and he still lined it deep into the right center. Uh, and then the big highlight was when St. Pius went to the bullpen, third time up for Omar Serna. Uh, he mashed a home run off a building beyond left field. It was uh, – I, I had a feeling when he stepped up there, I was like, this is, could be a situation where he parks one way out to left field. And uh, my hunch was right. So it's a guy that, like every time I see him, I don't think it's just power. I, I think he can he can actually hit. Um, you know, and he actually threw out a guy as well. Casey Evans tried to steal second base and he threw out Casey Evans, just a rocket, um, down there looks good physically. Uh, I, he's going to have a monster season. Definitely a guy that looked every bit of one of the best prospects in the state of Texas for 2025. Uh, and that lineup's pretty deep, even without Jalen Walker. Um, you know, Marcus Cantu, 
2026 shortstop committed to Texas, left-handed hitter. He just missed a home run, hit a deep, deep fly out to right center field. I liked his actions. I liked his at-bats. I liked his plate skills. Um, I think as he continues to grow, to get stronger, uh, he's got a chance to be a major prospect in that class. Um, Victor Coronado played third base, 2025 Texas commitment. Uh, good swings. Um, walked once, uh, struck out another time. Like, didn't quite really drive one, but you could see the swings. You could see the hitting potential. Uh, he played third base. Uh, Roland Agulon, who's going to um, San Jacinto. Easy strikes uh, was, I believe, 87 to 90. Uh, actually fit, pitched five innings this time of the year, which was impressive because he was just so efficient. Uh, slider, 77, 79. Missed bats. Showed a changeup as well. Fill up the zone consistently. I can see why San Jacinto jumped on him. He's he's going to throw strikes. And I think he's a guy that as he continues to add strength, uh, could be a guy that ends up carrying a starter's workload at the next level just because of that strike throwing component. Uh, and then James Stockel, one of our academic team guys, I, I liked his at bats, man. He really competed well, uh, especially against, you know, Case and Evans, who had really, really good stuff. Um, I thought James competed well. He's going to be a nice piece for those guys. It, it kind of speaks to how really good that lineup is that he was hitting at the bottom of it because he's, he's a talented player. Uh, certainly a guy that would be hitting, you know, top or middle of the lineup somewhere else, but just kind of speaks to how, how deep that lineup is. And uh, as for Evans, I thought the stuff was really good. Uh, I thought his arm was faster than what, what when we last saw him at area code in the summer. Now he had, he was kind of slowed in the summer, had a very, very minor inflammation issue. So we actually saw his first outing at the Mattingly when he threw an inning, just kind of slowly ramping up for area code. And uh, the arm speed was there really, really fast arm. It was the best slider I've seen him throw. Uh, just a just a monster pitch. Missed a ton of bats. Uh, just really sharp, really late short break. Uh, tight spin. Uh, could bury it to to the glove side to get whiffs. Fastball was up to ninety five consistently in the ninety two ninety four range. Got a lot of end zone whiffs. Uh, I've seen him have better control and better command. I think it was one of those deals where he knew he was throwing sixty pitches, so he was kind of airing it out for sixty pitches as opposed to really kind of bearing down and pitching and commanding and mixing speeds and all that sort of stuff. But fastball played well, uh, even in hitters counts. I mean, he was beating guys in the zone with it and beating good hitters. Um, changeup as well, low spin changeup. It was like 1,200 to 1,300 RPM. Kind of had a little bit of a slight split-like tumble to it later on. Uh, he threw it to right-handers as a lot as well. You know, as they turned that lineup over, he started mixing the changeup more to both lefties and righties, kind of showing what he could do with that pitch. But the slider was a real moneymaker. Uh, I think he gave – I mean, there's probably 30 scouts there, a couple cross-checkers. I mean, he's a really deep crowd. I think he gave those guys a lot to think about um, because of the arm speed, because of the athleticism, because of the slider. I think they're definitely going to be going in and seeing him again. Uh, we might, in like a week or so, get a Kaysen Evans-Cooper-Williams matchup in a tournament which would be uh which would I probably think attract the, the Monday? I, yeah, is, I saw that is on Is it Monday? Schedule. I think so. I don't know I, if it was a tournament or if it was a if it was an actual game, but um that would certainly attract quite the crowd there to see those two guys, but uh he looks good. Uh definitely really excited about the, the season he's going to have, especially as I as he gets into a normal workload. I think you're going to see the pitchability in the command more present as opposed to really just kind of letting it loose and working on some things, clearly working on the changeup and things like that. 
Um, I was impressed with with uh, his catcher, um, Junior uh, Jorge Arcia. Catch and throw, physical kid, um, had a hard base hit, line drive to right center, um, really held his own. I mean, he was catching some real stuff with Evans and, like, getting to sliders in the dirt, um, keeping the ball in front of him, working with his pitcher well. Uh, I liked him. I mean, he was a guy I left there. I was like, man, if if people are still in the market for 2025 catchers in this region, that's going to be a guy I think some teams should take a look at. Definitely mid-major D1s. I think he's going to be a surefire Juco prospect if he goes that route. Was really impressed with him because you, you see guys that get, have to catch real stuff, and uh, he didn't struggle with it at all. Uh, really liked what I saw there. Uh, and then Jackson Cotton, I was really excited to see him. He DH'd and led off. He was 419 down the line. He pulled a hard single through the right side. Like the swing, uh, he's still kind of a baby physically. He's going to really fill out. He's got some real projection. Um, excited about the season he's going to have. He certainly looked a part of a guy that's going to have some tools and some upside um, and hitting leadoff for, for those guys this year. Uh, and another guy from St. Pius, the 10th caught my Alex Yearwood, who's a senior, uncommitted shortstop. He also pitched as well. He was 83 to 85 on the mound. Um, solid curveball that got some whiffs through strikes, made the plays at shortstop, got a lot of length to the frame. Uh, I think he still projects physically. I think if anybody's kind of in the, still looking, you know, maybe a two way guy, potential shortstop or middle infielder down the road, um, I think that, you know, going to check him out would be, uh, would be to benefit. Um, a bummer for St. Pius the 10th. I was wondering where Michael Peavy was. I really, really liked him in the summer. Um, I heard that he had a kind of a shoulder popping out issue that he had to get operated on, which is, which is a bummer there because he was going to have a I really think a strong um, junior season. So it was fun to get down there and actually see a game. The, the last time I was at St. Pius to watch anything was when Cole Stewart was playing quarterback and I went to go see Ricky <laughs> Steele's Jones play. So it was, it was St. Pius against Sealy. And it was the, yeah, it was the game that I think Ricky Seals Jones got hurt and they thought it was like, could it be like a really bad injury and ended up not being that big of a deal. But yeah, I was like, man, the last time I was here, Cole Stewart was playing quarterback. We ended up being a first-round pick by the Twins. And Ricky Seals-Jones was playing for Sealy. So it had been a while. Uh, but it was good to get down there. And it probably won't be the last time I get down there. Uh, it was really fun. And, and uh, shout-out to um, Coach Evans and everybody at St. Pius. Awesome setup. They had a whole little area roped off for all the scouts. Uh, it was a good crowd, great hospitality. Uh, really appreciate those guys going out of their way to kind of making us feel welcome and giving us a good opportunity to to get some eyes on these guys. Yeah, uh, just to update, I wouldn't look while you were talking that Cooper Williams' potential Case and Evans matchup is the 24th, so okay. a week from Saturday. Saturday. Um, but uh, yeah, so Friday I went and saw I, I saw a three-way scrimmage between um Boswell, uh Midlothian and Timber Creek. Um Focus on Boswell. Uh, had a good chat with Coach Stone before the game. Um, and again, you know, it's we're lucky that we have so, so many really good coaches to help us with information. Um, just because, especially when they're not wearing uniforms. Um, yeah. So my, my info on Boswell is quite a bit more in depth. But uh, I got to see Sawyer Farr, uh, Berkeley Roddy, and a couple of new guys that I, I hadn't seen a whole lot of before that really impressed me. But Sawyer Farr uh, on the on the day. Took some good swings, really got down the line well. Um, had him between like three nine four and four oh four wow. on multiple occasions. Um, and that's 
you know, it's it's funny when you get times like that, especially since that, that was my first scrimmage of the season. So I was I was a little you're wondering myself. if you're calibrated or not. Yeah. And I'm usually quick. Like I usually have I usually have higher times than most people. Um, just the, I think it's those elite anticipatory skills, um, mm-hmm. is sure. just getting that exact timing for when the ball hits the bat. Uh, but you know, got some verification from guys, the pros around me, <laughs> uh, you're guys good? Who, yeah. The, so I, I felt pretty good about it. I was, I was happy with that part, uh, after being mad at myself for, uh, just get, getting out the door without all of the right necessities. I hadn't hadn't charged my gun enough, but it made it. Thankfully I was, I just not in the, not in my routine yet. Um, but Sawyer made an incredible play at short, uh, just went up the ladder to, to snag a line drive that really show his athleticism. Um, it's easy to see why he's a superstar. I mean, he's, he does everything easy. Uh, the athleticism's there. He's athletic enough to stay at short. Um, you know, he, I, I know I've used this comp for a couple different people, but I, I I use it for guys that I think are tall, athletic shortstops a lot. But Jordy Mercer, he's 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 more he's about what Jordy looked like as a sophomore in college. Um, a lot more physical than Jordy was at that stage, but just uh, a tall shortstop that makes stuff look pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but hands are good, actions are good, got a good arm. Um, just you know it's probably i mean not a lot to show for it in the box score but you know showed the things that you need to show at this time of the year um it was like a he had a professional approach to it wasn't trying to do too much and i mean there was a crowd there like you said like you said for case and um there was i mean it was 20 plus deep there for the at least for the second for the second game so uh, and guys I didn't recognize. So, you know, which tells you that it's not always the local area guys. So mm-hmm. um, people out there getting eyes on him. And then they got to see Berkeley Roddy as well, um, who is, he looked good. Uh, stuff was really good. 91, 94 in the first showed a breaking ball, showed a change up. Um, he's, he's ready to go. Uh, so I'm excited to see what he looks like over the course of the year. Uh, one of the guy, one guy that popped out to me, um, you know, Coach Stone had pointed him out ahead of time, so I knew to be looking. But uh, Kobe McBride, uh, junior outfielder, I think he missed some time last year with an injury, but he can absolutely fly. Um, strong, compact. He reminded me a little bit of Nathan Tobin. Uh, okay. From from that, you know, he's he's physical. Um, I mean, he's strong, wiry. Uh, he's wiry but strong. Um, you know, strong hands. Uh, looked in control at the plate. Uh, can really swing it and can really run. Uh, I think he had three hits that day, stole three bases. Just, you know, he he looked like he was out there to create havoc, and he did it. Uh, so I was impressed with him. And, and uh, junior catcher Ramon Car- uh, I, 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 uh But, man, I, I liked what I saw defensively from him. Um, but, you know, he's – He's got he's got some arms that he's going to be able to catch, like you said. I mean, I think you can learn a lot about the catching just by the quality of stuff from the pitching yes. staff. Um, and and I thought I was impressed with Ramon in that regard. I think he even pitched on that day. But on the Midlothian side, Nolan Melms through. He looked good up to I think eighty nine, maybe maybe one ninety. Um, but the Grayson commit looked good. Uh, Zeke Sion from Timber Creek physically looks the part. He looked good. 
Um, so yeah, that, that was a good, good first triple header scrimmage for me to kind of get some of mm -hmm. my bearings. It, it was pretty cold. So, I mean, it, you know, it's, I always factor that in a little bit, but, um, again, on the guys from the Boswell side, saw what you needed to see there from them, uh, and got a good start to my scrimmage season. Yeah. You picked a good one. You know, those three-way ones are good when you get, get three good teams in there, kind of get some different looks and guys, things like that. Um, Monday, I went down to Grand Oaks to check out Tom Ball in Grand Oaks. I was really struggling with whether to go see uh, Blaine Brown versus Braylon Payne or go to Grand Oaks to see Tom Ball in Grand Oaks. I sided with uh, the situation that provided two really loaded deep teams. And uh, I think I made the – you made the the right call there. Um, it was good to see both of those guys. Uh, Grand Oaks High School is is extremely nice. <laughs> they didn't spare yeah. any expense building that thing. Although the coaches joked, like the one cost they cut is that their lights aren't very good uh, mm. at the baseball yeah. field. So that might be a, that might be a little bit of a pain there. Uh, but Grand Oaks, um, Mark Barnhart got the start for them. Senior Riddick uh, signed with Texas A and M, and Mark was in midseason form. He faced uh, six batters and struck out five of them. Slider was really good. 82-84, tight shape, uh, high spin, threat for strikes, also buried it for, for whiffs. He's clearly been working on a changeup as well, around 84 miles an hour, that he shook to a couple times against lefties to throw it, and he could throw it for strikes. So I think that's got some – That's got. I'm optimistic about the type of third pitch that could become um, in the future. And fastball 90-93 consistently, you know, wasn't like max effort. Uh, he's a really good athlete. The delivery looked good, threw a ton of strikes, um, good competitiveness on the mound. And he, he was facing an extremely good lineup. So probably, the you know, one of the better lineups he's going to see all season long. So was impressed with him. Just a really sharp performance. Um, Austin Dozel came in after him. Was good to see him. Lefty uh, committed to Texas State in the 2024 class. He missed last year with with Tommy John surgery. Was up to 87 miles an hour. Uh, had flashes of strong stuff. Struck out the first two batters. Kind of labored from there. Uh, I think you could kind of see that he's still working his way back up from an endurance standpoint on the mound, which is very very common. You know, when you miss a season, and you're coming back from that sort of operation, but. He's going to help those guys. Uh, I mean, they've got a lot of pitching, you know, with Houston Tomlinson, and uh, I'll get the Mason Kitchen in a second as well. You know, he's going to help those guys. Uh, and it's a kind of a, an embarrassment of riches over there on the arm side. Mason Kitchen, uh, a junior, committed to Texas Tech. Uh, fun guy to watch. Really competitive energy. Um, kind of got just that bounce that he's on the attack out there. Likes to challenge guys. And it's a fun arsenal. It's a, it's an overhand curveball, 67 to 70. It's a sweeper, you know, around 70, low 70s. There's a low spin changeup in there that's got a lot of life um, away from him, kind of circle-like movement. Um, and then there's a fastball as well that was in the mid-80s. And uh, fun guy to watch. Um, he's got a chance. The coaches said it, they've been encouraged. You know, he's been throwing strikes. Uh, he's got four pitches to use at his disposal. Uh, he's going to be a, a really big part for those guys as well. You got to assume that Tomlinson and Barnhart are probably going to be their main district starters, but when you've got kitchen and, and Dozel hanging out there as well on the pitching side, um, that's, that's a nice, 
nice luxury to have. Um, Bennett Hale catching, uh, I was impressed by him, uh, swung the bat well, had a hard single. Um, you know, you didn't notice him behind the plate, which is a good thing, you know, when you're catching all that sort of right. stuff. Um, he's just, you know, catching the baseball, which might sound easy, but with some of these guys that have real stuff, it, it's oh, harder I, than you think it's it not. Is. It's like, not like ju <laughs> just catching the baseball is is and you talk to pro scouts too. Uh, it's it's a big deal, and you, you, you like don't ever take that for granted. It's uh yeah, you gotta have somebody out there to catch those guys. Um, Parker Blackman um was a little you could tell was a little frustrated, just quite didn't connect on some pitches, just missing some pitches, and uh, he was facing some good arms as well. Um, I have zero doubt in my mind that that guy's gonna have a, a an awesome year uh, for Grand Dukes. Uh, Tom Ball is kind of a long list of guys. Um, you probably saw the highlights of Kate Aaron Beatty. Uh, Barnhard got him in the first at bat with a slider, struck him out. Next at bat, he gets a hanging breaking ball and two strike count and hit it over the scoreboard. The power is real. Uh, but honestly, I think the most impressive thing he did was the caught stealing he had on a sweeper yeah. that was way out of the zone. And he comes out, he fields it, and he throws on the run from a lower angle, just a perfect strike right to the bag at second base. Uh, to throw out Mark Barnhart, who was trying to take a bag um, down there at second base. Um, a really impressive display there. Uh, a lot of scouts were, were in to see Aaron Beatty. And then his, his final at bat, he uh, hit a hard ground up to third base. Uh, but, man, Tomball's got a lot of arms. Um, C.J. Sampson, four-pitch mix, 83-85. Curveball slider, changeup. I think the changeup was probably his best secondary pitch. He's gotten stronger. You can see it. Um, I actually really liked him as a hitter, a uh, left-handed hitter. I think that he's got a chance to be a major dude um, as a hitter. He's he's going to throw a lot of innings for those guys this year as well, 2026 uncommitted. Uh, but to me, the most impressive arm I saw was was Carson Reeder for Tomball. He was good. Um, 87 to 89, bump 90 once. Tall guy, lower slot. Um, but the command to me was impressive. Like, Filled up the zone with everything, but he moved the fastball inside. Like the catcher was setting up inside, he he got it there. When the catcher was setting up away, he got it there. When there was a two-strike count and they wanted to ch uh, challenge a guy up in the zone with the fastball, he got it there for a whiff. And he throws a really high spin. Uh, it's kind of uh, unique is not the right word, but it's curveball velocity, but he calls it a slider. Um, so I called it a curveball, but really it's, it's a big breaking ball that's kind of got that two-plane shape to it. Really high spin. Um, he spun it for strikes easily. And uh, just a guy like the delivery, the, the control, the command, the stuff. I think that he's going to have a really, really big season. I, I think he's going to end up being one of the top pitching prospects in the state for 2026. Um, extremely impressive with him. Um, and then Andre McGowan, I didn't really know too much about him. Um, he's senior, uh, committed to Southern. Hats off to Amari, Southern, man. Amari Amari McGowan. Amari McGowan. Excuse me. Amari McGowan. Um, Southern did a great job there. He comes in, fill up the zone, uh, up-tempo delivery, gets gets on the mound, just throws strikes, um, kind of got a little natural sink to the fastball. Uh, curveball gets whiffs around 77 miles an hour, can spin it well. He's going to really help those guys this year uh, because I could see him being a guy that comes in, probably their main reliever because – they know he's going to throw strikes. Like they don't have to worry about him getting out yeah. there. He's going to handle the moment. Um, good looking kid too. Probably 6'1", 6'2", 180, 185 ish. Um, that's a excuse me. 
that's a really good get for Southern. Uh, I think he's got a bright future there at the next level, and especially this year as a senior. Uh, kind of going down the list here, my guy Coleman Ryan. I, I've talked about him for years and as an underrated gem. He ended up committing to Hill College probably about a month ago. Leading off, playing shortstop, running 408 down the line, 387 on a drag bunt, making all the plays easily defensively. I, I, I just am still amazed it took you know somebody so long to lock him in. Uh, he's, I think he's going to have a really good season. And then his double play partner, Blaine Lucas, who signed with Louisiana, made a really nice backhand play up the middle. Um, he's gotten stronger. Uh, he's going to hit near the top middle of that lineup for those guys. Uh, and then Harper Gates, another 2026. 20, uh, didn't see him pitch, but he played third base. Took some good swings. Uh, just missed a homer. Hit a deep fly out to left field. He doesn't look like a 2026. 20, I mean, he looks like a guy, a senior physically. Um, well put together. Uh, I think he's going to have a big season for those guys. Probably more so on the mound, but uh, he's probably going to end up maybe their starting third baseman as well. Then a couple of Sam Houston State signees, Braden Scherzer, left-handed hitting outfielder, gotten noticeably stronger. Um, he's always been a guy that could really hit and just kind of waiting for him to fill out and add some more strength to add some impact. Uh, and he added it. Uh, he pulled a really hard double down the right field line and impressed with him. And then Keegan Demmer as well, uh, just a physical presence, right-handed hitter. Uh, he can catch, but obviously that Aaron Beatty. Um, catcher Hopkins was hopped in there as well. It's like just catch and throw ability, rocket for an arm. He's going to be a major prospect in the 2026 class. So um, Tom Ball is, is really, really loaded. Uh, a lot of depth on the mound, a lot of position player depth as well. It's going to be a tough lineup for people to navigate this year. Yeah. Um, I Yesterday I got a good look at a couple of teams in here that we've written about uh, recently as some of our, you know, dark horse kind of candidates to, to really make some noise. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the pitching for these two teams. But uh, I got to see Richardson Pierce uh, up against Burleson Centennial um, and didn't disappoint. So had some really good arms again, you know, it's, you always, it makes you feel good when you walk in and you know that like you see quite a few scouts. So you're like, okay, I'm in the right place. You're in the right um, spot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, several guys that you had seen on Monday uh, were up there to get a look at these arms, but uh, on the Centennial side, Connor Mohan, uh, he was good. I, I know we've seen some really high velo from him uh, on on the internet. Uh, to me, kind of looked like a professional approach. He was 88, 90 yesterday, but it was easy. Uh, mm -hmm. Flashed a couple of good breaking balls, threw it in there. Uh, you know, it looked like an outing where he was just getting his work in. Um, and this time of the year, I mean, I think that's, that's what's important. Uh, wasn't trying to do too much for the scouts behind home plate, uh, which I always pay attention to. Um, so like what he did, Zach Applegate came in and threw after that, um, showed some good stuff. Uh, again, you know, it probably, you know, result wise, wasn't the best outing, but everything you needed to see from the guy you saw. Um, so that gives them a one, two punch. That's really, really impressive. Um, and then shout out to my guy, catcher Hayden bird. He took a cross up off the knee, like Ooh. no glove, nothing, just straight off the knee. And it, it looked bad at first, but uh, true to real catcher form, he stayed in the game, uh, came up, had a good at bat right after it. So uh, I, I was I was impressed with him. I, you, you could just tell that he's a tough kid. And, um, you know, for, for a scrimmage, you know, he you could tell he wanted to stay in there. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's not, not always the case this time of year, but, um, you know, just kind of indicative of, of a real catcher, you know, just what – 
he just wanted to stay in there and get his get his time in. But was impressed with him. Uh, on the Pierce side, uh, got to see Carson Bailey, AJ Ripley, and Deegan Kubot throw. Uh, Kubot obviously an alum of our five tool GPA team. Uh, he was good. He was about eighty seven to ninety. Um, you know, kind of eased into it, and then by the end of the inning, was really reaching back and getting some. So it was coming out pretty good. Uh, flashed a good breaking ball. Got some swing and miss there. Uh, Carson Bailey let it off. Um, you know, you'll remember this comp, I know, but he reminds me a lot of Sam Stafford. Okay. Uh, but real athletic left-hander. Uh, fun. You know, each counts. And, uh, and just, you know, had I've, you know, I think for him, a bit of inconsistency, which is, you know, what this process, uh, in his delivery. you know, but when he, athleticism and just, it's up to a couple well, 92s from the left side. Uh, but for the most part, he was, you know, 87 and 87 to 92 range, a lot of, a lot of nineties, a lot of 89s. Um, and he wasn't overthrowing either, which obviously I think is important for him, but just kind of working his way back into the, the swing of things, but he gives them a plus athletic arm and actually did some stuff at the plate too. And, and you can see the athleticism when he's on the bases and running the bases there. But uh, for me, AJ Ripley was as good as anybody that I've seen this year, um, you know, which obviously isn't a whole lot to this point, but I mean, from a pitch ability and being dialed in standpoint, mm -hmm. it was really, really good. Um, I really liked what I saw from him. Uh, fastball 87, 89 breaking ball was really good. He changed speeds. He moved it in and out, like just in total control. Um, you know, the stuff is definitely ticked up over the last couple of years. And he's a guy that, you know, we, we really liked for a couple of years, just based on a, he went um, head to head with uh, Tate. Uh, help me out here. Yale, uh, Tate Evans, Tate Evans. From, Flower, from Flower Mount Marcus. And one of the best pitch games I've ever seen um, in the playoffs a couple of years ago between Evans and, and Ripley. And that's kind of when he got on my radar. Uh, but man, he's, he looks the part he's, you know, I, I, it's funny, you see some of these guys that pitch similar to each other, and then they end up going to the same schools. Uh, but, you know, the two years ago, Stefan Saul uh, was, I think, coming off injury and had a really good senior year for Pierce and went to McLennan and has been pitching well for McLennan. Mm -hmm. um, seen some highlights of him already on the McLennan stuff this year. But, uh, but, you know, then AJ goes out there and he will be following Stefan's footsteps. But, I think he's um, he's a rock on the mound. I think you know what you're getting with him. I think he's going to be really consistent and just give them a an option that you know that you can run out there and expect pretty close to a complete game um, every time out. So uh, offensively, uh, they swung it pretty good. One one through five and six was really good yesterday. Um, in the I didn't stay for the whole scrimmage, but just getting to see what I did. Um, Vince Villegas. Uh, going to Dodge City, um, really like what he does at the top of the lineup. Obviously, handles the ball well at short, so a good get there for the Conks. Um, then Tyler Sessions swung it well. 
Um, and then uh, I don't know if you've I don't know if you've ever seen this guy, but I believe he plays tight end on the football team. Uh, but Jules Roberts, um, he is an absolute monster. Like he looks like a D one tight end right now. Uh, but he put a couple of good swings on the ball yesterday. That's going to give them some thump in their lineup. Um, athletic out in the outfield, but I, I'm not backing off my stance on Pierce. I think they're going to make some noise. Um, you can just tell they, they really know what they're doing. And it's fun to watch two really well-coached teams play against each other. Mm -hmm. um, just you can tell when guys are in the right spots. They know, you know, getting good jumps on balls in the, in the dirt. Um, uh, it was two fun teams, two teams that I think are going to have a chance to make some noise, you know, if for no other reason, just really both deep on the mound. Um, yeah. So like, like what I saw from those two teams, I, I think there's a chance for both of them to do some damage in the postseason. Um, and I know, you know, it's, we talk about it a lot that that scheduling um, at this time of the year can really, really make a difference. Yeah. And I was talking to coach Sonato from Centennial before the game a little bit, just kind of going over his schedule with him. And it's clear he's not afraid uh, to go face some competition. Um, you know, it's, it, he's got a rough, rough schedule, uh, not just in scrimmages, but in the preseason tournaments. And, you know, it's funny, like they, he was telling me like, it's, it's kind of a weird deal. You know, some of these schools or districts start in, while tournaments are still going on. Mm. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah. Which, which dictates the pitching a lot, mm -hmm. which is, you know, kind of a, kind of annoying. Cause you know, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to throw some of your best guys in some of these tournaments and, you know, just kind of throws the rotation off a little bit, but uh, so it was, a, it was funny. Like apparently there was a chance to vote, um, you know, to to push it back to where everything made a lot more sense, and there wasn't going to be any, um, you know, finagling of matchups based on tournaments and all that kind of stuff. But I guess it didn't didn't go through. So, uh, but you know, credit to Coach Sonato for playing the schedule he does. I, I'm a huge fan of those guys that aren't afraid to. Uh, put it all on the line early um, and see what they got and maybe take some lumps and in the event, in the end, eventually, hopefully uh, do them some good. So, um, you know, I, that's just something that always sticks out to me when I go through some of these things. And apologies there. I know we had a little bit of a recording zoom difficulty there. I could kind of see it and in, in, in hear it on the computer. So Drew, talk us through a, a little bit about Carson Bailey again, because I know that part was a little, uh, a little choppy there between uh, between Kubot and that that strong Ripley performance. Yeah, you know, what, like one of the things that I uh, noticed about him, you know, he, he reminds me of Sam Stafford mm. um, that played at Texas. Uh, really, really athletic left-hander. Um, just a lot of twitch, uh, some juice in the bat. You know, I mean, I obviously I, he's known for his pitching, but um, Sam was a guy too that he hit BP with us for throughout his career sam can hit man yeah i mean he had some juice in the bat he ran mm. the bases um you know i saw carson running the bases you can see the athleticism there um ball was coming out good uh 89 92 uh for the most part um and you know you, you can tell he's feeling his way back from missing time last year for an injury um mm. And, you know, I think everyone responds to those things different and he just hasn't had a, a ton of live action since then. Um, and, I, you know, I think that showed up a little bit, uh, but I notice it most when you can at times feel like he's 
thinking his way through the delivery. Uh, and a lot to, a lot of that to me is, is the, the rehab process coming back from injury. Cause yeah. I mean, as someone who had Tommy John myself, I, I remember those feelings and it, I remember that being an issue for me as well. Uh, but there was a few deliveries where he just let his athleticism take over and he was quicker to the plate and just, uh, just looked like it was natural. And those were, you know, coincidentally, those are the ones that hit 92, you know, mm -hmm. that, those were the ones that, um, he just, like I said, took, let that athleticism take over and just that that's what it was supposed to look like. And, uh, you know, that that's a thing that just takes time for people. Um, and hopefully as the season goes on, that'll be something that, that he just continues to get that feel back, uh, and, and smoother and, and just letting, letting this athleticism carry him. But, uh, but yeah, so I'll, I guess go back to you. I think that that's what we missed, right? That's what. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one part. Um, okay. I can kind of notice it and, and uh, want to make sure we, uh, uh, he's a very important, uh, important guy uh, heading, into, heading into the, uh, his senior season. Of course, there are a bunch of scouts there to check him out as well. But uh, before I get to my last game, I'll tell you a little bit more about our friends at Hitforth. If you've gone to a college prospect camp, you've probably noticed that coaches are tracking everything. Many staffs will even have TrackMan showing live info on their video board during BP and scrimmages. It's not eye candy. They track data such as exit velocity and bat speed because it helps them identify skill sets that will translate and work at the college level. And more and more high schools are doing this as well. In fact, one of the most prominent high school programs in Austin, Texas, sends an email to incoming freshmen detailing what they view as acceptable exit velocity and bat speed. Simply put, if you can't hit the ball hard enough and consistently enough, you aren't going to get as many looks in high school and in college. So as the game moves more and more towards embracing, embracing tech and data, you are doing yourself a disservice if you aren't training with a staff that utilizes and understands both. The team that hit fourth in Austin, Texas, is creating the standard for developing explosive and adjustable hitters. When you train a hit fourth, you will develop the power coaches are looking for, whether challenging the fences or drilling hard liners to all fields. Learning to move faster and swing faster will also make you a more adjustable hitter and improve your ability to make contact. Because the quicker you can swing the bat means you have more time to recognize pitches before deciding to swing. The best part about hit fourth is the accountability. Since the staff tracks every aspect of every swing you take, you get objective feedback about your improvements. Numbers don't lie. Check out hitforth.com to learn how you can get started. H-I-T-F-O-R-T-H.com and on Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, we talk about it all the time. The accountability is real. These full-time employees, fully dedicated to you as a player uh, on the strength and conditioning side, on the hitting side, a true individualized development program. They're tracking everything, not just to help you, but to hold themselves accountable, uh, to make sure they're getting results, to make sure they're working on the right things, to make sure um, even the right instructor is working with you. Like maybe there's an instructor that's like, hey, you know what? You're really good with this drill, working on this type of thing. Um, let's try to target that with him today. Just kind of give him a new look, uh, target a specific area to work on the development side. I mean, that's that's the kind of detail they go through. I mean, these guys are showing up early, hours before anybody shows up to the facility. They're going through who's coming in in the day, uh, what programs they're doing, what they're going to work on with that player, what they're trying to, uh, to uh, experience, what kind of results they're trying to gain, and all that sort of thing. And like I said, they can do things remotely as well. I mean, it's not just an in-person program. If you've got a facility or somewhere to hit, they can create you a program. It's all there, accessible online, extremely detailed with examples, full breakdown, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so we highly recommend our friends over at Hitforth to go check them out. Uh, my last game, I went to a few innings of Westlake and Georgetown scrimmage last night. 
another look at Theo Gillen, and it was a good one. First at bat, drilled a triple to the left center field wall. Next at bat, two strike count, smacked a line drive to left center field as well. Uh, he was four two five on the turn. Uh, just, you know, it looked great physically. The swing looked good. Um, I mean, there are a lot of scouts there to get another look at Theo. Made made all the plays, at least when I was there, made all the plays at shortstop, uh, snagged a hard line drive, routine grounder, competed the play easily. Um, you know, showed some athleticism uh, coming from third to home on a pass ball, avoiding a tag and <laughs> kind of funny moment, bumped into the umpire that it took him down and the umpire got up and just signaled safe, which got a little bit of a laugh from everybody. But uh, looked apart. Uh, he's primed for a huge year, and the swing looks like it's it's ready to unleash. And one thing he did, you know, to me, the one of the most noteworthy things he did in his two at bats was he got into a two zero count, and he took a huge swing and he tried to hit the ball to the trees. And he he came up empty on it, but that's the sort of thing I don't think he's done enough of in the past because he's got mm -hmm. some power, but he's so good at hitting line drives all over the place that like he's never really sold out to try to get to it. And that was, I was kind of like, okay, he, he knows now in certain counts, he can let loose and get a little bigger and try to just mash one um, over the fence. And uh, I think we're going to see a little bit more power from Theo this year, but he continues to look really, really good. And I, to, it's very, very early to me, the runaway leader for a guy that has improved the most from his junior year to his senior year amongst the guys that I've seen so far is chance covert. He's not, he's not even the same pitcher anymore. Um, and it's not just velocity. You know, every time I saw him last year it was 80, 84. He's been up to, he was up to 90 last week when I saw him, he was up to, uh, I believe 88 again last night, but it's the arsenal too. The curveball's gotten better. Um, he's got another breaking ball as well. That's kind of a little bit more of a slider. Uh, the changeup was better. Uh, I think the strike throwing is better. He's stronger. And uh, Coach Blair said, man, this is a guy that really works really, really hard. And you can tell um, he's definitely taken just an all-around noticeable step. And it makes me even more bullish on what kind of season Westlake's going to have. Because uh, mm -hmm. we know what Jack Brady's capable of, and even he's throwing harder as well. But uh, if they keep getting the guy that I've seen so far in Chance Covert, it's going to be really hard um, to beat Westlake this upcoming year. So uh, it's it nice to get another look at Lane Johnson, a super, super talented freshman. Uh, I mean, he, he basically went, you know, 75, 80% down the line on a routine ground ball and ran a four, four from the left side. I mean, he's going to have some real tools um, as well. So another, another really talented player there. Sage Sanders had a nice knock to drive in a couple runs. He looks like he's poised for a big year um, on the Georgetown side, Devin Peterson, who's an uncommitted senior outfielder, First at bat, um, you know, Covert threw him a fastball away, 87 miles an hour, and he yanked it into the left center gap. Really moves well. Kind of looks like a safety physically. Um, he's got some tools. Uh, pretty quiet day for, for Riley Leininger, but uh, played third base. Uh, looked like the arm was maybe a tick stronger. Looked like he had a good offseason physically. And then another guy, uncommitted senior outfielder, Jackson Rainey. Um, big, strong, left-handed hitter. I uh, had a really impressive left on left at bat against Chance Covert when he smacked a hard line drive in, into left center. Uh, you know, talking to the coaches over there, he's a guy that's worked really, really hard to make him a not just a guy that makes the varsity team, but is an actual impact player for those guys. And I got to say, Georgetown, man, they're always really well coached. They always know how to play the game. This is probably one of their more physical teams I think they've had. Um, and they've got a few uncommitted guys over there on the senior side that I think um, some programs should maybe take a look at. Maybe if it's at the you know D two 
um, low Juco level, something like that. But they've they've got some players over there. I think they're going to have another good season, which which they always do. Uh, they're just kind of a a reload type of program over there in five A. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm excited. I think they come up here again to the Highland Park tournament. I want to say that sounds but, right. Yeah, yeah, got a got a good look at them. So yeah, I'm excited to see them. But yeah, no, I I'm excited this weekend. We're covering a private school event uh-huh. um, with some some really good teams. Uh, got it worked on the same one last year and got a lot of the same teams back. So having familiarity with them will help. And uh, I'm excited. You know, we got some teams that you've talked about. We got Lutheran South up here, uh, yep. Preston Wood, Southwest Christian, uh, Bishop Lynch, uh, Regents, John Paul. Like it's a, it's a really good group. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to get, see some real games. These will be my first real games of the season. And then, uh get the get the public school guys going and wearing uniforms on monday how about that uniforms and jerseys and lineups and everything i i gave him i gave him a hard time because i one of my high school teammates is head coach at pierce i was i was floored that he didn't that they weren't wearing uniforms yesterday for their uh scrimmage and he said well he made up for it with a really good uh line up and uh schedule for who was playing and throwing where so i'll i'll, I'll take it but yeah was, uh, i'm excited for those numbers numbers and uniforms it's a yeah, it's a, it makes a huge I just difference never, when i was in texas i used to i never understood it but like there would always be a, a handful of guys that you know complained that we weren't wearing uh jerseys and in, in our scrimmages and it's like man like that it it may not seem like it, but that's a lot more work than you probably realize for the equipment staff to have those ready and turned around when we're at that time of the year and and all that. But man, I understand it now. I understand it now. But it's yeah, it's I, I know there's definitely complications in high school when you're not sure who's going to be on varsity and JV and you know waiting for uniforms right. to come in and all that stuff. So I, I get it. But it is it is nice to. To know that starting Monday we will have jerseys and numbers for all yes, the public school. It'll games. be nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to heading up for the private school tournament because typically I don't get to see those kind of those powerhouse DFW private schools during the spring. Like I don't I don't I don't get I don't really get to see, you know, the Preston Woods and, and the John Pauls yeah. and and you know yeah. Mansfield Knights and and all the Bishop Lynch and all those programs up there. So uh, be a nice change of pace and to it, it won't be a scrimmage, which, which, uh, which helps. I mean, it's, uh, I, those scrimmages are good from a, from the pitching standpoint. It's like, all right, you know, you can go see this guy throw two or three innings and, and kind of go from there. But yeah, very, very much looking forward to everybody playing actual games that matter with Jersey numbers and lineups and, and everything else um, starting. So I got Monday and uh, yeah, the tournament season, I, I look forward to it, and then I get into the middle of it. I'm like, oh my gosh, these are these are long days, like long days yeah. and tracking everything. And you got and weather. It's all, the weather. You're miss all the weather. Like, so who's pitching when, and which kind of changes like on the fly yeah. all the time. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a lot to keep track. It's a lot of fun, but it's it's a lot to keep track of and kind of draining. So uh, before we get out of here, any Super Bowl thoughts? Uh, yeah. Um, glad that we're going to get a break from the Swift Kelsey romance, hopefully. Um, as far as the game goes, great game. I hate it for Kyle. I was hoping he would get one. Uh, he's been so close twice now or three times now, I guess as once as a coordinator, but man, I, 
that losing Dre Greenlaw the way they did was tough. And I think that ended up in the long term playing a big role in it. Um, but from a game standpoint, not much more than you can ask for. Uh, had some drama, had some high level plays, had some trick plays, a lot of just quality football. Um, you know, I the Steve Spagnuolo, I don't know why we started recording it. He got an extension, which was obviously well earned. But man, his timing of some of those blitzes was just mm -hmm. um, just that won him the game. I mean, yep. it, you know, even if they weren't getting the sack, they knocked the guy off his mark a couple times and uh, just disrupted the timing enough to, you know, because Kyle schemed up some stuff that was was open and it just mm -hmm. it didn't hit because Purdy didn't have enough time to throw. But Mahomes is, I mean, he's Mahomes. I mean, yeah. I he he just he's that guy, <laughs> you know. And it's you. Everyone thought this was going to be the year, and that's a scary thought to think that they may retool and um, just be at it for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, I, that's tough to think about. It's scary. Now, I think yeah, I Bur mean the the whole a healthy a healthy Joe Burrow may have something to say about that, but um, yeah, I mean it. Man, you you just seen him evolve. I mean, he used to just have a good arm and you know let it fly and let it rip. But man, he just he just hardly ever makes mistakes. Right. And he's he's manipulating defenses. You know, I mean, it's just he's. I have him as number two all time now. I, I I'm still he still needs to do a little bit more for me to pass Brady. But man, he's he's special. There's not not many people walking this earth that can do what he does. Yeah, I mean, they went to Buffalo and beat them, and yeah, beat San Francisco. I mean, it was it was supposed to be the year that, that it was. It was the hardest. It was the hardest path anyone has ever had to get to the Super Bowl mm -hmm. and win. It's based on like historical DVOA and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, you can't you can't dispute that they were the best this year. I mean, they they did it. They did it, and they they had the hardest track to get there too. So yeah, we'll yeah. see. Three, three the three peat very might very much be in play. Uh, for those guys, just kind of crazy. Yeah. But you know, you look at the AFC. It's well, they beat everybody that's going to challenge them next year. I don't know how yep. much better. I don't know how much better yeah. those teams are. I think I I do think the healthy Joe Burrow angle. Um, that'll yeah, that has a chance to. I mean, it's if nothing else, it'll just add to the excitement. It's just, of it. Yeah, but, it's just tough though because with them and both them and the Ravens in the North, that's gonna probably screw somebody out of playing at home in the playoffs and it's yeah i mean it, di it didn't matter this year with kansas city going on the road but typically that's that's just such a huge deal when you have to you know if you're if you're gonna have to go to buffalo or, or somewhere like that um yeah but yeah we'll see yeah maybe maybe my steelers will trade for justin fields and you know uh, I, I, shake some you know shake some things up you know what's always really interesting to me is that you have some like no like outside of Matt Nagy, um, there hasn't been a whole lot of like poaching of the chief staff, um, mm -hmm. which is in direct like conf or completely the opposite of a team like the Ravens. Like I feel like they get just raided every single year, mm -hmm. and this year as much or more than any. Like they're losing like that not only are they losing coordinators to head coaching jobs, they're losing position guys that are leveling up to being coordinators, um, which is, uh, it's just fascinating. I mean, I guess that, you know, it speaks to that, how, how, how people think Andy Reed just 
is is the magic there um yeah and it's tough tough to argue um because no matter what with him and him and Mahomes paired together it's it's as good as there's ever been I mean it's going to challenge the the Brady Belichick combo at, over time I think so I don't yeah, know yeah, that's they're, yeah, their window is still wide open, uh, which is yeah. kind of kind of a scary. Well, it's like it's like Burroughs. It's like Burroughs said, you know, when he said their windows as long as he's playing. Well, that, that's indicatively the same for uh, Kansas City. I'm just Palms. I'm just getting really annoyed that these windows keep are are always in the AFC. It's like the Brady yeah. window and now the Mahomes window. It's like, can you can one of y'all just go to the other conference for? For a change, uh, it's extremely annoying to have to deal with with one of those teams in the playoffs. Um, and I think I want to say the Steelers might have been the last team to beat Kansas City in the playoffs. Maybe they went there one year. It was oh the, no, that would be Cincinnati. Did Cincinnati beat them a couple of years ago? The so the, way, the, the three years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And then I think bef the year before that maybe was the Kelsey holding call where he flipped out because he got called for holding and the Steelers ended up mm -hmm. winning the game. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's been it's been a while. So, yeah, just uh, Mahomes and Burrow and Josh Allen and Lamar, Lamar Jackson just all hanging out in the AFC. It's great. Tua. It's just Tua. Eh, Tua's just average to me. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, uh yeah well yeah, we'll see what, what he looks like next year but uh yeah so yeah entertaining super bowl and uh now it's baseball season for everyone um yeah. pitchers and catchers are reporting spring training all the news updates rolling in from camp and it's uh I always get a warms my heart to see the photos of you know spring training and guys out in the field and uh, all that sort of stuff so yeah It'll soon be here before we know it. College baseball will be starting before we know it. And uh yeah, everybody will be playing. And uh it's our it's one of our favorite times of year for sure. And uh to keep up with all of our coverage, make sure you're checking into fivetool.org for all of our video, all of our writing, everything on there. Um, if you're a player or a coach, we highly, highly recommend looking into our subscriptions. Uh, especially if you're a coach this time of the year too, and you've got a lot of video that you're taking of your guys, like email us and and we can help you kind of figure out a way to kind of get those uploaded for your team and that sort of thing as well. Um, players, you know, looking into like you know, video library, getting access to that so you can share with college programs and all that sort of stuff at fivetool.org. And of course, make sure you're following us on all the social media platforms as well. But uh, you got anything else before we get out of here? I know you got to go to uh, do some Valentine's shopping. Yeah. Uh, no, I got nothing. Let's, let's, let's play ball. All right. Let's play ball and uh, good luck your Valentine's Day shopping and happy Valentine's Day to everyone out there. Uh, we hope you have a great day. And until we talk to you all next time, take care.